Hi, and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Mr. Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Morning, all. How is everyone? Glad to see some people could make it to church this morning. Very exciting. Josh is probably uh, running his little heart out right now, I would say, as is Dwayne, doing the Noosa try. Hopefully no panic attack in the water this year. So hopefully his faith has grown over the last two years and that he's very calm in walking into that water. So um, I feel like it's been a while since I've been up here. It's a little bit scary. But anyway, at least I'm amongst friends, so it's all good. Why don't we turn in our Bibles to Ecclesiastes 3. And I might just pray. Thank you, Father. Lord, it's all you this morning. Father God, I thank you that you are all-knowing, you are all-powerful. And Lord, I thank you that your wisdom is the ultimate wisdom. So right now, Father, I pray that the words of man would drop to the ground, but that your words, Father, Lord, that they would go deep within our hearts. Lord, that they would take root. Lord, and that they would transform lives this morning, Father God. Lord, I thank you that in you we can find liberty. In you we can find freedom. In you we can find redemption and salvation, Father. So, Lord, we just thank you for what you're going to do this morning. In your precious name, amen. Amen, amen. Ecclesiastes 3. To everything, everything, there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn. And a time to dance. A time to cast away stones. And a time to gather stones. A time to embrace. And a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain. And a time to lose. A time to keep. And a time to throw away. A time to tear. And a time to sow. A time to keep silent. And a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. What profit has the worker from that in which he labours? I've seen the God-given task with which the sons of man are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one should find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and do good in their lives and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all of his labour. It is a gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. That which has already been and what is to be has already been. And God requires an account of what is past. Incredible scripture. 
It says God created the world and he has a created order, a season, which is a set time or an appointed time. And he actually has a purpose, which is a delight, a pleasure or a longing. Do any of you, like me, think that you adapt well and love change? Anyone? Maybe a few? Ben. Ben loves change. Isn't it interesting that if we make the decision to sell all of our possessions, sell our home, leave our family, move across the world to be missionaries, we can uproot our life and do quite an incredible thing. But change that around. What if somebody required of you to sell your home? If somebody required of you to sell all your possessions, to leave your family and go live on the other side of the world, how would you feel about that? How would you take to that? Somebody once said, somebody very smart, people don't resist change. They resist being changed. People don't resist change. They resist being changed. I've therefore discovered that I like change as long as it's me implementing the change. Anyone else agree with that one? Yep. All right. So we're all on the same page. I love it. So think about the milestones of change in your life. How did they make you feel? I'm sure all of us, every single one of us down to the youngest in the room can think back to a time. For some of you a little bit older, you could think back to multiple large milestones of change. I remember one of my biggest seasons of change was at the age of 18 and 6 days I got married. Wouldn't necessarily recommend it. I look back now and I was a mere baby. It scares me, the thought of that. But anyway, at 18 and 6 days, I left my family home. I married a man that I thought I knew very well, which, let's face it, when you get married, you have no idea who you're marrying really, do you? (laughs) And then we left the hometown that I had grown up in my entire life. So my 18 years of life had been in the same hometown. Knew most of the people in town, was known by most of the people in town, Um, I was very comfortable. Life was great. At age of 18, you think you're invincible, don't you? You can absolutely take on the world. So we moved to Noosa. We live in a caravan, in a caravan park. Summer comes along and, oh my gosh, we were from down south WA and it was the hottest weather I think I had uh, experienced in my entire life. Found new jobs, came to a new church, tried to make friends. In the space of, I think it was probably about three months, every single security that I knew in my life was turned upside down. And I remember sitting in my little caravan while Josh was working nights and I worked days, going, God, what have I done? I just want my mum. <laughs> Getting on the phone and going, Mom, what have I done? I'm coming home. It was a huge, huge season of change. And I think that each and every one of you now could remember back to a time when you felt like that. Can I just turn back the clock? Can I change? Can I stop this? Can I slow these changes down? Can I just have one thing in my life that is familiar when everything around you is not familiar? Anyone know the feeling? Yep, absolutely. 
So talk about change. And have you noticed that when you go through a change, you generally go through an identity crisis? Yep. So generally, part of our identity is tied up to our area of change, isn't it? For me, my identity was in who my family was. My parents were pastors, so I was a Christian because they were a Christian. You know, my identity was in my job that I had over there. My identity was in my Christian friends that I had around about me. So when all of that is stripped back, not only are you going through a season of change, but you're going, who on earth am I? I actually have no idea who I am, which is a scary feeling, which wipes the slate clean. And then you go, okay, who am I and who do I want to be? In that moment, you might be going through a huge season of change now. You might be an empty nester. You might be changing your career. You might have lost your spouse, or you might be in a season of having children. Whatever it may be, it turns your world upside down. Charles Swindle, love Charles Swindle, said this I am glad that God changes the times and the seasons. The master is neither mute nor careless as he alters our times and changes our seasons. How wrong to trudge blindly and routinely through a lifetime of changing seasons without discovering answers to the new mysteries and learning to sing the new melodies. Seasons are designed to deepen us, to instruct us in the wisdom and the ways of God to help us grow strong like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Isn't that incredible? Jeremiah says, For he shall be like a tree planted by waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. That's an incredible scripture. I think I could do a whole message around that scripture. But isn't it interesting that like the tree, we need not fear the seasons of change if we are rooted in the right place. If our roots go down deep and we're rooted on the rock, then like that scripture says, when the seasons of drought come, and you know what? They will come. We don't have to fear. Because one, we're firmly rooted. But two, do you know what I love about that scripture? Is that tree still produced fruit. So even in a season that was sapping the absolute life out of that tree, even the season when that life, that tree is hanging on for dear life, it's using all the reserves from within it. It's getting no new water or nutrients. It's able to produce fruit in that season. Isn't it incredible? So have you noticed that we're not prone to change in comfort? We need to be made uncomfortable sometimes. The challenge is is that God is more concerned about our character than our comfort, is he not? (laughs) Do you remember the story of Jacob becoming Israel? I've been pondering a lot on this story in the last week. Jacob was a liar and a deceiver. Israel, on the other hand, had favour with God and with man. Wouldn't it be incredible to be known as somebody that had favor with God and with man? Starting in Genesis uh, chapter 25, 
It started with Jacob tricking Esau, do we remember this, into selling his birthright. This was his first act of deception. And then in chapter 27, Jacob steals Esau's firstborn blessing. Isaac says to Esau, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. Not a great start, would we agree? (laughs) Not at all. So Isaac actually knew the power of the words spoken that they couldn't be retracted and given to another. Wasn't that interesting? That even in that moment, that blessing should have gone to Esau. It couldn't be taken back and re-given to Esau. Again, an incredible word in that, that a blessing, a curse, a creative word, a destructive word, all have power when spoken in faith. Isn't that incredible? That in that moment, his father knew the power of the blessing that was spoken from his mouth. And the anguish that Esau then goes to, he goes to his father and says, what about a blessing for me? That was my blessing. Jacob then flees understandably so, and encounters God in a dream. And God promises his land to him and that he will never leave him. Jacob then works for Laban, as we know, and marries Rachel and Leah. Eventually, again, he has to flee his home. Jacob encounters God in a dream once again, and God tells him to return to his home. As he gets closer, he becomes fearful of what Esau is going to do. Again, understandably so. I would uh, think that that would be a grudge that Esau wouldn't get over very quickly at all. So Jacob actually reminds God of his promise spoken. He says, For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sands of the sea. In the face of one of his greatest fears, He raises up and he reminds God of the truth that was spoken over his life. Not for God's sake, for God is not a mere man that he should lie. God knew the promises that he had spoken, did he not? He spoke those promises for his own sake. He spoke to the fear of returning to his home by declaring the promises of God over his life. You said, so therefore, this fear that I'm feeling right now, it's not true. It's not real because you said that I will return to my home. You said that my descendants will be as the sand on the shore. Then Jacob was left alone and a man, capital M, wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw, capital H, that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and you have prevailed. Isn't that incredible? The strength in that moment that Jacob had in the face of that struggle. God clearly knew what Jacob's name was. But isn't it interesting in that moment that he said, what is your name? He required of Jacob to admit to his identity. 
to admit that he had been a deceiver. Before in that moment, he transforms Jacob into his new identity to become Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and you have prevailed. His new identity is prince with God or he strives with God or may God persevere. You know, without the seasons of change, Jacob would never have become Israel. He would have remained a deceiver. His character would never have been refined if he hadn't have walked through those different seasons of life, if he hadn't have walked through the struggle, if he hadn't have seen how God came through in the times of the impossible. You know, if you go back and you read those scriptures and you see the miracles that God performed, even around the, the wealth that Jacob was able to take from Laban, you know, and the miracle that he performed with the sheep, it was quite incredible. So all of that fashioned who Jacob was to become when he stepped under that new identity of becoming Israel. There's a book around called Thinking Fast and Slow by a psychologist, Daniel Kahneman, or something like that. He states that most of us would rather be wrong than be uncertain. In fact, our order of preference is being right, being wrong, and then being uncertain. What's interesting about this is that being uncertain comes with a chance that you might end up being right. Being wrong doesn't provide this option, yet we still prefer any resolution, even a bad one, over the unknown, over no resolution at all. This is how much we fear and want to control change. I hate my job but the next one could be worse or I could lose it. I'm really not happy in my marriage, but I don't want to rock the boat. I might make it worse. My child is undisciplined, but I don't want to ask for help because what if they judge me? What if you loved going to work every day? What if you fall more in love with your spouse every single day? What if you raise an incredible child that goes on to be a world changer? What if? Do you know the one thing I know for sure about the seasons of change is that they don't last forever. They are but for an appointed time. When you're in a season, you feel like it's never going to end, especially those winter seasons. But who knows, we've just come out of winter and now we walk in a spectacular springtime. And do you think we would have the same appreciation right now for our spring? if we hadn't just walked through our winter. We wouldn't look outside and go, isn't it an incredible day? Look at the sun shining. Feel that temperature. Isn't it beautiful to be down the beach again or walking along the path or whatever it may be? Our appreciation because of the season that we just walked through is so much more incredible. Paul says in Philippians, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much. And with much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, whatever I am, I can make it through anything in the one 
who makes me who I am. Who knows that Paul didn't have it easy? (laughs) Understatement of the century. I don't think any of us would like to go back and actually walk in the shoes of Paul. But isn't that an incredible revelation for him to say, this is what I've learnt in the seasons of time that I've walked through? Now, I was listening recently to um, a beautiful uh, woman of God share a bit of a story about her life. And she said, do you know the interesting thing is one of my non-Christian friends said to me, you are so lucky you've had such an easy life. Famous last words. But isn't it amazing? I was sitting there pondering, thinking, do you know what? The Word of God promises that we will all walk through trials. So it is extremely naive for us to think that somebody has had life easy, is it not? Absolutely. So she has not had life easy. But I was sitting there in that moment thinking, isn't it the most incredible privilege to be able to walk a life where somebody can say that of your life. For somebody from the outside to look in and say, you're so lucky because you've had life easy. No, my life hasn't been easy. But you know what? In walking with God, isn't it amazing how it's looked that way to you? Isn't it amazing that when the storms of life have come, I've managed to maintain my peace through those storms? And isn't it amazing that my choices, when grounded on the wisdom of God, have actually come and produced good fruit for me and my family to walk in? Isn't it incredible that when I've chosen to walk in the ways of God and pass that down to an inheritance to my children, they now walk in that blessing? Aren't I lucky? Haven't I had it easy? Ha ha, she says. But for someone looking from the outside and making such a comment tells me that like Paul, she's learned the art of being content in no matter the circumstances of life that she's walked through. And she truly has understood that God can promise us and give to us the peace that passes all understanding. We can read that scripture. We can know that promise, a peace that passes all understanding. But until we've actually gone through the trials of life, until we've actually gone through the changes of life, who knows that we can never actually fathom the depths to that promise that God actually gives us. Peace that passes all understanding. All understanding. My understanding, my human understanding. I cannot even fathom what that is. I can reflect back on my hard seasons of change and see the amazing hand of God upon them. I love that I'm not the person that I was 15 years ago. But do you know what? I can only love that because I've walked through the seasons of change that God's put before me. I can only stand up here today because of the seasons of change that I've walked through. And I could never be where I am today if I hadn't gone through those seasons if God hadn't moulded me and shaped me, did I like them? <laughs> no. <laughs> did I chuck my nana? Absolutely. Did I do it gracefully? Not often. <laughs> As I'm sure many of us don't. But isn't it cre- incredible now to stand and to look back 
And I think that's one of the most incredible lessons that I've learned in being able to look back in my own life in hindsight and see the person that I was and the person that I'd be today if I hadn't gone through change is that I know that with God, everyone is capable of change. Which isn't that so exciting? That we serve a redeeming God. That no matter the season of life the person is in front of you, that person can have an encounter with God. That person can walk with God through seasons of change and can become the person that God designed them to be. I think that that is so incredible. So I think for us, we need to be very careful when we pass judgment on somebody. When we say they used to be like this or they used to do that or they hurt me when they did that or this is what they did back then. Especially if we haven't been in relationship with somebody through their journeys of change. When somebody comes back into our life, it's giving them a second chance and going, wow, you have changed. Look at what God has done in your life. Is that not incredible? for each and every one of us, and giving glory to God in that. When I'm 60, I hope I'm a very different person than I am today. I hope I can look back and that I can say, I don't have those insecurities that I walk in today. I don't have those fears that I walk in today. I've learned how to hold my tongue. I've learned, as Ecclesiastes says, when to speak and when to hold my tongue. And I hope that I've learnt that there's seasons to mourn, but there's also seasons to dance. And there's seasons of joy. And that no season lasts forever. I think the band should jump up. And to be able to say to my children, yes, I've walked through the seasons of life, as you will, but watch Watch and see. Don't just hear me quote scripture. Don't just hear me say that God will be with you through the seasons. Watch me walk through the seasons. Watch how I handle this. Isn't that scary to do? Because then the responsibility actually comes back to us. Don't just do what I say. Do what I do. Follow me as I'm following Christ. Because I want to be that responsible person. I want to be that person that doesn't shrink back. That doesn't walk through those seasons of change and run from them. Who knows that we can run from our seasons of change? We can hide. (laughs) Not from God. But we can hide away from the world and not walk through it. But who knows that we're going to actually come around that mountain again. We're going to be confronted with that season of change again because God says, I'm not concerned about your comfort. I'm concerned about your character. I'm concerned about you living a life that is full and what I intended to be. And if you're going to live that life that is full and what I intended it to be, then you need to grow. You need to change. You need to mature. I promised Josh I wouldn't talk about Arabella, but (laughs) I'm going to break my promise. (laughs) I find it incredible that she's six months old. In the, the seasons of change in six months, amaze me. 
absolutely amaze me. I see a newborn baby and I go, oh my gosh, she was once that size. It's just, it's, it's incredible to, to watch it and to see it before your very own eyes. Can you imagine what Father God is doing in heaven when he looks down at you? She once responded to that situation in anger. But look at her now. Look at how she responds to that situation. Look at the growth in her. She once crumbled under the weight of responsibility. But look at her now. Look at her rise up and look at her face her fears in the eye and not shrink back but run towards them. Look at that man who grew up without a father and didn't know what it was like to be fathered but to embrace the wisdom of God as the almighty father and look at the way he has fathered his children. I am so proud of him. I'm so proud of my sons and daughters. We are superior beings because we have this amazing ability to get up time and time again to face our fears, to face our obstacles and to overcome. We are overcomers. We're not going to lie down in the face of adversity. We're not going to lie down when we want to. Who knows that sometimes it would be far nicer to stay in bed and pull the doona over your head and just hide from the world. But we don't. We get up. We take a shower. We put our clothes on and we walk out the front door and we face the world once again. But for the grace and the goodness of our God. Amen. We stand with me this morning. <laughs> Thank you. Do you know, I know for all of you that you're walking through a season now because we can't not be walking through a season. But will you join with me now as I pray with you that in this season, you will overcome. In this season, you will show all of your unsaved friends and family that your life has been easy, that you've never had to face a hard obstacle. Father God, I thank you that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith, Father God. Lord, I thank you that there is no season that we have to walk through on our own, Father God. Lord, I thank you that you promise us not an easy life, but you will be there every single step of the way, Father God. Lord, and I thank you that if we're walking right now through a time of mourning, that there will be dancing. If we're walking in a time of weeping, there will be laughter. If we're walking through a time of love, Lord, that that time of love can just grow, that it can pour out to those around about us, Father God. Lord, that we can can capture it and pour it out into this world, Father God. Lord, I thank you for the great and mighty inheritance that you've placed within each and every one of us, Father God. Lord, that with you, all things are possible. That with you, Lord, the impossible can be made possible with you. Lord, we have peace that passes even our own understanding, Father God. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, just pour out your revelation onto your people right now. No matter what season of life they're in, God, just love on them, encourage them. 
Lord, raise them up to be mighty men and women that love you and seek you passionately. Let's worship him now, church.